Is that an oaky afterbirth? (laughs) (laughs) Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What do we do with a drunken sailor? What do we do with a drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. You can't start off laughing. That's like inside joke stuff. I wish... <laughs> I couldn't Actually, stop. I may, have, I may have recorded it. Maybe if I did, I will include that. But it was like an office reference because... Wow, surprise yet again. Maybe we have some wine in the studio. Maybe some grog. Maybe there's some alcohol going on in here, in the studio, in true pirate action, in true pirate fashion. Yes. There you go. If I have it recorded, I'm certainly, that's that's the beginning of it. You'll go, what the hell is this? And then you'll actually get into it and realize, oh, that's what she was laughing about. She was... Showing how she could taste wine, basically. No, her I wine, you were. Her wine commentary. <laughs> you were tasting the wine and like really tasting the wine. And so I made a comment, yes. And it's an offers reference. From one of the like cringeworthy oh. episodes. I think it won some awards. It is good, but man, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a dinner party. So we'll see what happens. So now if you're hearing this and I have played it. And all is good. If not, then maybe I'll have to drop it next minute. We'll see what happens. But anyways, thanks for joining us as we pillage Minute 75 of Dead Man's Chest. Pillage now, huh? It's pillage. Hmm. Moving on up. To the east side? Somewhere to around the there. To the deluxe apartment? Nobody in wanted you to sing. And then, now I messed it up. <laughs> I was all was ready like to go. <laughs> I was all ready to go and then you screwed me up. It's like a false start. In the previous minute... Damn, I'm just going to admit it. I don't have anything of note for the recap. I let myself down and now I'm letting the audience down. Possible. It just is. It's a pity. They really? now have to feel my shame. Yeah. Not sure why. My creativity was just lacking for the recap. It's not like we got a lot to work with there. Bootstrap sees his son, Will Turner. Let's go of the rope, thereby offsetting the counterbalance to holding the cannon. Plummets to the deck, yada, yada, yada. Davy Jones laughs that he has two generations of Turners on board. And then I hope I can make a comeback next episode for the recap. He's like, Turner? Turner? <laughs> what are you, the comedian all of a sudden? <laughs> now we're doing <laughs> an obscure Doctor? Spies Doctor? Like Us reference? Doctor? Nice 80s reference. <laughs> People are going, this is like deep cut stuff you've been doing recently. <laughs> yeah. It's Classic part, Chevy yeah. Chase, Dan Aykroyd, Spies Like Us. There we go. It's part of our life, though. That's sad. We say it quite often. Dang, that is true. <laughs> we do use it a lot. 
Minute 75 begins with Davy Jones finishing his laugh and says to Bootstrap, what fortuitous circumstance be this? Five lashes be owed, I believe it is. Jones extends the whip to Bootstrap to administer the punishment. The minute ends with Bootstrap coming to a hard decision and it's Will with the first lash across the bat. Soon followed by the second as Will reacts in pain. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying, I guess. Another, okay, Captain Obvious strikes again. <laughs> but it's a happy day for everyone in this particular minute. It's like a dour minute, actually. Where's our fun-loving Disney cannibal pirate flick? <laughs> Honestly, now we got hard choices going on that both end with Will getting a whooping. A whipping, actually. A whipping, not a whooping. Because it isn't a whooping. He's wishing it was. Do you notice Jones kind of talks like Yoda, in a way? Go back to the line you just said. I gotta rewind. Five lashes be owed, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, he kind of yeah. does. There's a Yoda thing going on. Yeah. Is he also greenish? He is a um, really pale green. There yes. you go. That explains it all. Yep. In the script, there was a line and some direction that was cut out from the final film. Because it's, you know, we're talking about whippings here. Yeah, it's not good. It's no. just not a, yeah. yeah it's not happy. And then the dad's times. having to whip the kid. Yeah. He doesn't want to. And yeah, it's just not good. Between Jones's fortuitous comment and the five lashes owed line, Terry and Ted, those are the writers for anybody just joining us. <laughs> There's some people just joining us. But he says, uh, you wish, the line in the script was, you wish to spare your son the bosun's discipline. Oh, see? That makes sense to put that in there. Are you sure, though? I think it was rightfully cut from the film. You think? Yeah, because it's kind of a throwaway line that wasn't really needed. Yeah, but, well, like, I, it's a pre-explanation. But we can, I mean, we can see on his face that he wants to spare his son the punishment. He already said earlier he wanted to, like, take it for him instead. Says, I'll take it. This is just repeating what he already stepped up to before. Yeah. Because he said, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it all. Yeah. And so that is kind of like repeating it again. I mean, it's all right, but it's not like it's needed to understand what's going on here. Because the brutal thing about it is the choice he has. Jones, the cruel, okay, octopus he is. You do it or Bosun will do it. And you can be sure he won't be gentle about it is the idea there. Right. But that's the thing. Bootstrap really gets into the lashes and delivers two hellish blows across Will's back, though. But it explains more in the next minute. He has to do some force. Otherwise, it's going to be like, yeah, you're just taking it easy on the guy. Yeah. We can't do this. I understand that for sure. And then more about it is explained in the next minute. Yeah, but I think that the line, though, is... Is not necessary at this stage because it was said, it'd be like repeating it. And that's why yeah, I think maybe yeah, they cut it because yeah, you yeah. see it on his face. Yeah. You already know that he doesn't want to be doing this and he'd right. rather take it. So I think that's kind of why. Okay. This has a bit of the Sophie's Choice vibe going on with it though. That's that uh, terrible choice between two difficult options, hmm. especially for Bootstrap here. Although Will gets punished either way. So it's the choice for Bootstrap. Sophie's Choice has its kind of pop culture origins. I'm not sure if you... I don't think we've ever seen it. No. Because it was one of those movies that I remember hearing about, but just the subject matter was not something that really was like, yeah, I have a real need to see that. I mean, it's an award-winning movie. It was based on that 1979 novel by William Styron, 
about a Polish woman in a Nazi concentration camp who's been forced to decide which of her two children will live and which one will die. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't sound like a movie I want to see. Yeah, it's not a popcorn flick with the kids kind of thing or my parents take me out to that. No. No. See, that didn't happen. No. It's in the early days of HBO coming out too, so mm. it's not something that I'd have been interested in. Is Got it other the, things going on. Is it the worst of two weevils? <laughs> exactly. Now, see, you're just you're making light of Sophie's Choice. How dare you? No, I was, I was getting rid of so I was done with Sophie's Choice. But anyways, I mean, I'm I was making not of done, the decision. Though. Of but the there's decision. That, yeah, it's that 1982 movie I was mentioning with Meryl Streep, the two ugly decisions, no win scenarios. Because I felt like the need I had to double down on the dower here. So it's because it's it's like a what happy Wednesday for us here. But I understand what you're doing there. I think there is a need to lighten it up. Because we have whippings and now I'm talking yeah. Sophie's Choice, which is just a brutal decision there. So I do, I, I got something. I think I can lighten this up. The Weevils didn't? <laughs> the Weevils is good because actually that's more applicable than what I have. You're, you're bringing in, because you're like reference material here now, <laughs> is Master and Commander. Yes. A, a really favorite film of mine, I should say. And we've mentioned it multiple times that on we the have. show. And he says the lesser of two weevils is going to win. Two weevils. It's a really good uh, scene there. Yeah. Get a chuckle of that every time. <laughs> but anyways, to lighten this up a bit, found something on Slate.com because I have a list of choices. Yeah, let's bring this back to Disney and hit another kind of famous choices besides Sophie's here because it's a Wednesday thing. If it was Monday, yeah, Dower might work. Everybody's sad they're going back to work. But Wednesday, hey, this is the middle of the week. we got to keep it positive as we try and float through to the weekend. Oh, almost there. Okay, number one on my list, Hobson's Choice. It's a situation where one may choose the thing that is offered or else take nothing at all. It's named after Thomas Hobson from 1544 to 1631 is when he lived. He was an English mail carrier who rented horses and to avoid overtiring his animals. Why, let me just say thanks, Thomas, for not... Harming your animals, hopefully. Yeah, he thought about them. He liked them. Yeah, he told his customers that they could take the horse nearest the stable door or no horse at all. Hmm. Number two, fielder's choice. It's a baseball thing. A play in which the fielder chooses to put out another player rather than the batter, allowing the batter to reach first base safely. Hmm, okay. And here, this is where it gets cool. Ready for number three? I mean, because are you ready for number three? Yes. I'm bringing choices here. These are... Choices we all face, a lot of us all the time. This is, like I said, where we're going to really get into the nitty gritty of it. This is where we lighten stuff up. USDA choice. (laughs) The second highest beef grade offered by the United States Department of Agriculture. Choice beef has less marbling than the highest grade beef known as USDA prime. You got a choice there. (laughs) Take choice or prime. So prime's better. But it does. Prime is better. This brought to you by Amazon Prime. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, Amazon does give us a kickback. But it does get better, actually. Number four on the list, Taster's Choice. I mean, come on. A brand of instant coffee owned by Nestle. Yeah, there we go. Now sold as Nescafe Taster's Choice. In the late 80s and early 90s, Taster's Choice in the UK was responsible for most... People's coffee addiction? No, but (laughs) thanks for filling me in there as I stumbled that. But it was responsible for the most romantic hot beverage commercials ever made. Oh, okay. So I guess I'll be visiting the thing called the internet after the show for some (laughs) steamy coffee commercial action. Remember, it's not pirate, but we're just trying to lighten the mood here. Ready for number five? I think you are. Yeah. People's Choice Awards. (laughs) 
a pop culture award show held annually since 1975. Winners are selected by the general public. And the last on my list, everybody's been waiting for it, Buck Dancer's Choice. It's the flip side of ladies' choice for dancing. Oh, okay. You know, where the ladies choose. Yeah. This is the Bucks. This is the guys kind of thing. According to the jacket of Taj Mahal's 1973 album, Ooh, So Good and Blues, quoted in the complete annotated Grateful Dead lyrics, by the way, it's a tune that goes back to Saturday night dances when the Buck or male partner could got to choose who his partner would be. The Buck's choice. There mm. we go. Are we all good now? Are we ready to get back to Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I really should have thought about that list. Damn it. <laughs> There's a good line in this minute as well regarding the bootstrap quandary, Jones says to him. The cat's out of the bag, Mr. Turner. Your issue oh. will taste its sting, be it by the bosun's hand or your own. I really like it. Your issue? It's what? a Well, okay, yeah. I got something to say about that. That's a okay. good point. Because I think this is a bit of poetry with this kind of no-win scenario thing going on. It's like a personal bootstrap Kobayashi Maru thing going on. Mm. He basically doesn't even recognize Will as a crewman or soul. Yeah, like you said, he references Will simply as bootstrap's issue. Right. His issue will taste its sting. God, come on, Davey. That's like a lack of humanity, don't you think? Well, Will is kind of a, almost a stowaway. He's almost. like a prisoner almost. Yeah. You know, but he's still. just a, he's just a temporary thing on the He's a ship temporary right at crewman. that moment, yeah. This he's brought not, to you by a He's not dead nor dying. Exactly. That's true. What's interesting is that I was kind of expecting Bootstrap to be granted his wish about taking the punishment when he asked for it. Right. That's what I was thinking. Kind of took a side turn on that. Yeah. I didn't expect the Sophie's choice thing. No, but if uh I think it's trying to point out the way Davy Jones really is. He's not a nice man at all. Exactly. Because that's the cruel reality of it is that it's not only can like he not take the lashes, but he has to give them now as well. Right. So and he's laughing about it. Jones is showing like his true colors. You're right. Yeah. The tragic lost love is like hardened him against love in general. No yeah. charity, no sympathy, just brutality. And in the next minute, number 76, if I were to jump ahead, I'll just say that we see that come to, well, we see that become obvious, just the way he kind of enjoys things. Like, hell hath no fury like an octopus scorned. You don't want a <laughs> scorned octopus. octopus. No, probably not. He does give us the well-known phrase, the cat's out of the bag. Yep. Which, since you already mentioned Seinfeld, I can't help but like think that, well, I can't. It's like I can't not hear this phrase without seeing Kramer doing it. Because he kind of gets the, the arm motion. He pantomimes it. It's like, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> that's, that's the Kramer reaction there. You, you do a good Kramer. I wish, sometimes I wish we did have video in here. Because you do a very good Kramer. Why, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, maybe one day we will like have a, a video cast. Only on you. How dare you. Then I'd have to put on clothes and I'd have to, yeah, all that. This is one of those phrases where myth is like most believed origin, but it's just not really true. Basically asserting it has to do with tricking people buying piglets at a market in the Middle Ages. That's where they think the origin came from. Really? Or people believe. But it's not really that. Because the idea was being that unscrupulous sellers of pigs, piglets, would hastily swap a cat for the porker that had been purchased and bagged 
for easier transport when the buyer looked away. Then the scammed buyer gets home, thinks he's got a piglet to roast he's or got whatever. A gato? Opens the bag and a cat runs out. Rans out. Nice English. Rans out. There you go. English is my first language. <laughs> and then, you know, he sees that there was a substitution only realizing he didn't been duped later on. Hmm. That was kind of the whole cat fake the origin. Yeah. The cat out of the bag. However, the explanation is widely disputed, though, but not necessarily unrelated. I mean, there's some relation to it with the pig thing. Essentially, the duped livestock purchaser explanation like was borrowed from the caution or buyer beware scenario about not buying a pig and a poke, a saying that reliably dates back to 1555 with its predecessor phrase, when a pig is offered, open the poke, dating to 1325. And the idea is that it cautions against buying goods one has not examined, mm. as opposed to afterwards checking goods already examined and purchased to assure no one has like covertly exchanged them for something less valuable or other commodities. See, it's like it is. It's like the buyer beware. You don't buy something without looking at it. Right. Or if only they could see Amazon and eBay now. <laughs> that. You still, I mean. You're seeing some, some pictures. Some of that but eBay hey. stuff, you got to like go, uh. That's why they have buyer I'm protection. I'm so sure. Exactly. You got to really give it the stink Or Amazon. Eye. How big is that supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. Where's the context? Damn it. Anyways, the second origin theory that's not like the buyer beware kind of deal has implications for us here. It really does. It's more kind of direct implications because it relates to the British Royal Navy and something else going on here. Asserting the instrument of punishment used upon those like delinquent sailors, those that were not performing their duties or behaviors. So they had to do some punishment for them, you know? Yeah. So they would break out a whip called the Cat of Nine Tails or Cat of Nine Tails, depending on how you want to say it, which we talked about before. Yeah. And that was routinely kept in a red sack. Thereby, when a sailor who was, who like brought like his buddy's laziness to light or the transgressions or whatever. Yeah. He was letting the cat out of the bag because mm. he was telling on him or they found out. And then the cat of nine tails would come out of the red sack for punishment. However, though, there's no evidence that documents that such whips were commonly stored in sacks. Or that the phrase let the cat out of the bag was initially associated with maritime origins anyways. Huh. So it's kind of another one of those. It's possibly. A, it's a hazy. Yeah, that's a hazy one. But they really think it's more the buyer beware kind of deal. Like a analogy kind of yeah. thing. What's interesting, it seems like Terry and Ted, when writing the script, maybe played off that origin story though. Because it relates to Bootstrap giving up the secret that Will is his son. Okay? He let the cat out of the bag on yeah. that. Yeah. As well as the whip is now out of the bag as Boson ordered five lashes for Will. So he took the cat out of the bag or he took the whip out of the bag. Because <laughs> I like how that works on a couple of different levels. Yeah. I think that's good. The first known use of the phrase in print is in 1760. It was an edition of the London Magazine. The quote is, we could have wished that the author had not let the cat out of the bag. There you go. Do you have any, what's going on with you? What do you have for this minute? Since I've now talked about like cat out of the bags and all this other stuff. I mean, you got to have something. You don't have anything over there? Because I don't, I, a, I don't have, this was a very difficult minute. I know. We got to get back to the dower part before we wrap up. It was a very difficult minute. And, you know, it's all about 
Bootstrap's decision on doing the whipping to his son rather than letting Boson do it. What would you do if you had a similar situation? I would probably do the same thing because I know how much force I would be putting into it rather than somebody else. I could kind of, you know, lighten it up a little. I can see that. And... I think it's probably the smartest thing to do. And and we're going to get an explanation in the next minute. Yeah. But it would be something hard to do. Oh, of course. He, and, and I think that that's what's realistic about the scene. Is he is putting it off. He's like, no. He's not going to do it. He doesn't want to do it. But he knows that Davy Jones isn't going to back down. Because he even goes to give it to the bosun. And I think it's more of a, I'm going to call your bluff. Yeah. Or I'm going to call your bluff in a way that basically says you're not going to do it. Because I'm going to try and force your hand here by giving it to Boson. And, and and I think that's where Bootstrap knows that, you know, I can at least try and control this to some degree. But if I give it to this crazy Boson here, he's just going to go to town on it. Right. And who knows how hard he's going to whip him. Is he going to keep it at five lashes alone? At least I can try and mitigate some of this. Right. And you got to figure this, this is even a tougher decision for Bootstrap because... He hasn't seen his son in ages. And he just meets up with him. You know, they just see each other. And then he's got to make this decision to do this. Yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, my God. Hey, Dad. Hey, son. Now let me whip your ass. Right. Yeah, that's a hell of a greeting after all these years. Yeah. It goes from... It's a splintered relationship already. Yeah. Now we got to add a whip to that. And and that's the bad news. And I think that's what is driving some of the tragedy between Will and his father, between them coming back together. And and it's interesting because there was enough of it there already, and now we're taking it to like a next level. Yeah. But and I don't know. I don't know if people really see it as bootstrap. But you know, when I see the minute and I look at it, and I know that this is all being pushed by Davy Jones, but I see bootstrap there kind of contemplating like is he going to do that and finally you could just see it on his face where he's like i gotta do this yeah and he just it's almost like he's pissed off not at will no he's pissed off at the situation and it almost for a slight second i thought you may have put too much power into that whip when he flung that yeah because i thought god it seems like you're really doing that really hard i know what you were saying too that you you can't like wuss out on it because otherwise davy jones is going to say that doesn't count right but man, it's almost like dial it back just a hair. It was making me wince. <laughs> right. Well, it was making Will wince also. I don't know what his problem is. <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's an interesting dynamic that is played into this. And I think this is all building up with the like the tragedy of Davy Jones. But it's almost now that I'm seeing this, and I think this really plays into the next minute we'll have to talk about. But there's like a sadistic kind of feel here a masochistic feel mm. with davy jones and wanting to see this happen right yeah yeah and you also have when the first whip that um hits will lightning strikes at the, yeah at gonna, same I exact time that. that's right there was like the that time was kind with of the music it was yeah. lightning and then there was also just the the way that the beat hit yeah really accentuated that first right kind of connection that it has with the whip to his back. And, and I think you see two of them in this minute. Yeah, you, hit, the se- you see Well, two. you the second one, they don't show you Will at that point in time. No, but there's two... What do you call it when you whip Whippings. somebody? I don't know. A lash, I guess. Two lashes. lashes. Two lashes. 
I guess they explained so it to we, us. So we see Will in the first one when the lightning strikes, and then you don't see Will in the second one. No, but you know what I'm wondering with that? The way that they had the lightning strike, and then the the music, how it just accentuates that hit. I wonder if you're in the theater and you have the surround sound and stuff like that, or even at home with the surround sound, if that kind of reverberates at that point, oh. and it makes you feel that connection. Yeah. I sh- we should have really like turned up the music or turned up yeah. the sound when we played it to really get that feeling. Because I bet you in the theater, you felt that. Right. And just even with the look on his face that first one, you know it connected and it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it, yeah. So it just makes me uncomfortable to see whippings anyways. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It just is. It just is like the most like inhumane thing. It's just, it's just brutal. But it reminds me of like the first time I probably really recall seeing like a brutal whipping was in glory that movie with matthew broderick denzel washington morgan freeman it's the civil war the all-black regiment yeah fighting and denzel ends up getting whipped for kind of desertion at one point but he's actually just going out to get shoes i think it was that fit because their feet are all tore up but he just stands there and holds it and man that is just brutal the way that he's keeping his eyes on Matthew Broderick. But that that's the kind of stuff that just really gets to me. And so that's yeah. why this was the uh, Dower episode. Yeah, it's not a good. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess that's going to be it there. I mean, there that's kind of like oh. where I'm at. Wind on, end on whippings. That's not good. I know. We could have ended on like yeah. the cat out of the bag thing. Yeah. I mean, I tried to, my best to move us along, distract us. But at the end of the day, the end of the episode, Will is getting whipped. Yeah. Hey, better him than me. So I guess I'll end on a selfish note. <laughs> there you go. Bit of selfishness to end the there day. That's <laughs> what you want on Wednesday. Everybody's yep. got to be a bit selfish on Wednesday. I don't know. That's we all got to be a bit selfish sometimes. Exactly. So we'll be back on Friday, hopefully with happier times. Minute 76, the dead man's chest. Until then, scallywags, I mean, come on. I don't know what else to say. I brought you some choices. <laughs> How do you liven this up? I don't know. I just It's almost like I just got to go crawl under a rock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum and get the hell out of here. Doctor? 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 And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning.
This is a Shoutreach Media production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.